Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group Roundtable, Veterans Court, brought to you by Judge Hooks, Attorney Lori Roper, and and Attorney Brian Scanlon. So January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and today is Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, Army National Guard veteran, co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a great show segment right now. We want to bring on... A great person who's been on our, sh- our show a long time. Uh, she's a partner. That's Lori Roper of Cook County Supervisors. She's also uh, uh, an attorney that solves problems in the courts. <laughs> so how are you doing, Lori? I am good. How are you? Doing really good. And I want to introduce a guest you brought to us. He brought us a great person, Dr. Terrell Odom. I'm going to give, us, give him a, a proper introduction, if I may. So he Please. is a U.S. Navy veteran and colonel leads the University of Chicago for efforts of military-affiliated persons. Uh, he coordinates efforts and specializes programs for the University of Chicago, which means that means students, faculty, staff, and families. Since he's been at the University of Chicago, he has increased the military-affiliated student population by 165%, helped to bring Army medicine to the University of Chicago, and is working to develop support systems for military veterans and their families through awareness, scholastic achievement, and career development. Currently, he serves as the chairperson for the Advisory Council of Veteran Affairs for the City of Chicago. How are you doing, Mr. Odom, Dr. Odom? I'm doing great, great, brother. How about yourself? Doing great. Glad you have you on, on the show. So we want to talk about some of the services available at the University of Chicago Veterans Clinic and its mission and its purpose. Can who wants to lead us off with that, Lori? Uh, well, I'm really excited to have uh, Dr. Odom back on the show. This is his second time on the show. He was on the show uh, last year on uh, February of 2021, and he had some information to give us at that time. And he was, at that time, preparing to uh, head this uh, clinic that he has created at the University of Chicago. And um, Dr. Odom, can you tell us about the Veterans Restorative Justice Program? A- absolutely, Lori, and pleasure to be back on here again. I had a blast last time I was on the call. Uh, I wasn't able to give more detail, but uh, the OMEC Veterans Restorative Justice Project will work directly with the Cook County court system uh, to provide support to veterans who are undergoing cases uh, through the Veterans Treatment Court. Uh, and I will, you know, I don't know if Judge Hicks is on the call, but I'll throw it out there that we're actually going to be expanding outside of just the Layton Courthouse and actually expanding to the other six veteran treatment courts uh, that are inside of Cook County. So forgive me, I can't name them all offhand. Uh, but we'll have our military-affiliated students, so that's veterans, 
Reserve Guard and their family members uh, from our law school who will naturally do work with the uh, the public defender's office as well as the prosecution's office. We have our social sciences students who will be doing thesis projects specific to the work inside the court system. Our social services students will be working directly with the VA that's embedded into the court system. Our booth students, which is the business school, will be working with me uh, in City College of Chicago, teaching career exploration courses, financial consulting, et cetera. Uh, and our Harris students will be identifying and making policy recommendations uh, to Congress, the state legislature, as well as to the court system on what things we can change or look at uh, to make it better for these veterans that are going through the court system. Wow. So what are some of the challenges? Why First, well, first of all, kind of walk us through um, why is it such a, a, an issue where vet, you find so many veterans in the court system? How is that? Why so is it could that be a number of things. It could be a number of things why veterans are inside the court system. Um, I believe, you know, the court system designed this specialty court for the reason behind mental health. Uh, and a lot of veterans who were being discharged with diagnosed or undiagnosed conditions that may have led to their charges in the first place. Uh, but as we know, uh, when you're dealing with the criminal justice system, you know, the courts address the crime. But there's that social and economical impact that also needs to be addressed. Uh, so these veterans are not being tapped into uh, the resources that are out here in the community for them to successfully reintegrate back into society. So I want to make sure I say thanks, of course, to the Robert R. McCormick Foundation, who is funding this particular work. Uh, Megan Everett, who's the director, and I both will be down at the court this this Monday uh, with Judge Hooks, you know, hearing the cases inside of the court system, uh, as well as one of our students. So I think it's interesting. So, oh. so people have talked about this in social sciences and things like that, that it's important not just to penalize a person for, you know, committing a crime, or maybe that might not be as important at all as to try to rehabilitate that person from committing crimes or keep that person from committing crimes or addressing those social issues and those economic um, constraints that might uh, drive a person to commit a crime. Because when you think about it, we have, I think in, we have, in our society, we have, this, we have this idea that someone who doesn't commit crime is better than someone who does commit crime. Like there's some kind of intrinsic difference or value between a, a person who's a law-abiding citizen and a person who, you know, snatches a person, does whatever. But in reality, if you switch the circumstances around, those two people might have, do make, make the same decisions and be in the same places. So can you speak to that? Because you do a lot of in this, you work in this area a lot, and you do a lot of uh, a lot of thinking and a lot of uh, thinking exercises in this on this type of type of um, philosophy. Can you expound on that and see what kind of differences you've noticed with doing this type of work to rehabilitate and try to get people to change the way that they behave versus just punishing people? Absolutely. So you, you hit it right on the head uh, that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our citizens, veteran or not, are, you know, in, inside the criminal justice system. But what do they have to return to? Uh, if you have a person who was unemployed, you know, prior to being entered into the justice system or a person with mental health issues uh, prior to going inside the justice system uh, and they finish a program or finish their time or, you know, to society, et cetera, and they come back to what? I think it's time that we, you know, get very creative and innovative to change what happens after the fact. Uh, not just assisting them while they're actually inside the court system, which is why we're so excited again to partner with City College of Chicago. Uh, we have a veterans boot camp. It's a course I created about a decade ago uh, at City Colleges. So it'll help with career exploration, you know, benefits that may be available to them, applying for uh, educational as well as disability benefits should they uh, be granted them, 
and then also finding what's going to be best for their uh, career goals. So whether that be a person going into higher education to get an associate to move on to bachelor's and master's, or someone looking to do something in the construction trades, et cetera, we want to give them an alternative to the crime uh, so that they can you know, continue to uh, reintegrate back into society successfully. So social sciences are very important. I wouldn't do this project without the social sciences component. Now, how hard is it to get someone to transition their mind into from a from a lifestyle that was absent of those things, absence of those resources? When we're talking about resources, I'm talking specifically about the this the life lessons, of the the the, uh, the the care and attention and, and development as they're growing up, things like that. How do you, what's the process and the, and the and the way to get someone from one side of the street to the other side of the street where they can get success? By walking it with them. Uh, and, and as you know, just inside of the military, each one teach one. Uh, and we as veterans share some of those same experiences as our brothers and sisters who have these cases inside of the court system. Uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, I would say all civilians, but some civilians don't understand the transition from military lifestyle to the civilian lifestyle. We understand some of those challenges uh, as veterans, you, you yourself included. We've been through some of these resources that a person, you know, may not know exists. Uh, the first step to fixing a problem or addressing it is to identify that there is one. So I think that, you know, by having people who the veterans may feel comfortable or should feel more comfortable with uh, and identifying these areas of opportunity or these barriers for them and then putting the resources in front of them and you know, walking them to these resources, not just saying here's the resource, but continuous follow-up, peer mentoring programs, et cetera. Uh, this, is, this is an all-out inclusive program. Uh, to support these veterans, because, again, I've been going to the court for quite some time now uh, and watching Judge Hooks inside of the courtroom, and, you know, he actually, he, he really cares, you know, about these veterans as well as I do, and anybody else who goes will hear yeah. it. And hearing, hearing exactly. these stories that they, ha- that they have, it's heartbreaking because I know that these things exist uh, where they can get, get this help. Um, so, again, getting their mindset to change is by walking it with them. You know, we've been through these same struggles. Uh, many of us, me dealing with PTSD when I left military service uh, and reaching out and having that support network, and some of them just don't have that. Mm-hmm. Laura, maybe you can talk to this. What what do, what kind of stories do you have, or, or and um, uh, Dr. also, too, if you have any that you can think of, that where you've seen a life completely just transform 360? Someone comes in completely broken and then goes through the, the system, and I have, I have to say this, too. I have respect for anybody, particularly veterans, who have the honor and courage to admit that they have a problem. And then whether they made a mistake or did something wrong, go through that process of admitting your problem, admitting your mistake, paying your dues, and then coming out the other end. So tell me a story, if you can, if you could think of a, a, a story where that process unfolded, where a person went from being broken to being a leader. Well, there there are many stories, and thanks to people like Dr. Odom and Judge Hooks, there are plenty stories, plenty of stories throughout Cook County where individuals have turned their lives around. I can think of uh, one particular instance. It, it happened a while ago. Uh, even though I'm a supervisor, I used to actually do some of the calls for the veterans court, actually before Judge Hooks became the judge. And I had a veteran who was a veteran of the Air Force, and he was uh, particularly um, difficult because, you know, again, he's not used to having to ask anyone for anything or basically coming to the court 
and uh, letting civilians see him in this particular light. Because again, you know, for the most part, most Americans, we we uh, uh, uphold our military. We are very uh, grateful to our military. So this particular veteran, veteran as a lot of veterans, are a little ashamed of the fact that they have to be in this situation. So that can be they can be a little obstinate because they're ashamed. And then once they start going through the program like this gentleman, he became a leader, he became an example, and he graduated. And he's employed, as a matter of fact, he's employed at an agency that we have a regular restorative justice court that meets at this particular agency. And I, I see him from time to time, and he is doing great. And that's the thing. The thing is, is that, as Dr. Odom said, and as you said, they have to have a direction. They have to have a, a, a plan. You're dealing with uh, people from the military who are used to having plans, having a schedule. You know, so if we can have a plan, a schedule, something for them to look forward to, I think that that helps as well. Uh, would you agree, Dr. Odom? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, as, as I just mentioned, that transition from military life to civilian life is so it's so different, and there's no endpoint in transition for me uh, because things can happen. Life happens in between. A person may have to restart. But you come from the security of, you know, check of the first and the 15th, again, as you just mentioned, knowing where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. Everything is mission-centered, uh, and I'll use the context of being a student. So when you go into higher education, everything is centered around you, but the earnest is put on you. But what happens when that person has other responsibilities, such as family, you know, such as, you know, all those other things that come with, with family. Mm-hmm. I myself raised two daughters when I left military service. Uh, while going through school and, you know, take care for two parents. Uh, life happens in between. Uh, I can give you an example of a student. I, I believe I mentioned the UMAP program to you guys the last time I was on the call, mm-hmm. uh, which is a partnership yeah. that, uh, between city colleges, uh, People's Gas, and um, Local 18007. So I can happily say out of 1,200 gas utility workers for People's Gas in the city of Chicago, Close to 800 of them are veterans from a program that we created years ago wow. that's been flourishing. Uh, and I had a student, an Air Force veteran, actually, who had so much pride that he didn't want to tell everybody that he was sleeping inside of his car in the dead of winter with his wife and newborn baby. Hmm. You know, and you know, he called me in the middle of the night, you know, 2 a.m., so my wife is looking at me like, where are you going? Uh, but I'm out of my bed at 2 a.m., uh, but I'm glad that he felt comfortable enough to divulge that to me because he didn't need to be sleeping in the car with his wife and his newborn baby, where I was able to get him into some uh, immediate housing. This is years ago. He finished the program. He's been flourishing. It works for people's gas, been working there for years. Wow. There's so many stories like this that I could tell over a 17-year career, uh, and I'm looking forward to all the great stories that we're going to hear from inside the court system. Hmm. So how many people will you say are participating in the system right now? How many people have you, are you able to help in this particular iteration of it? Inside of the court system? You know- Across in the in the program that you're working talking about, oh, like the thousands. Or I'm sorry, hundreds? that was me. Yes, for uh, Lamar. I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Odom. Yep. So it's going to be again with the addition of the other six locations. It'll be well over 100 veterans. I mean, we definitely we will help everybody that's there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we definitely don't want more veterans inside of the court system, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll help all the veterans that are there. 
uh, as well as bringing McCormick uh, Foundation, the Robert R. McCormick Foundation's grantees, uh, which is the biggest piece of the work that you know isn't announced a lot. Uh, but the grantees, McCormick funds tons of initiatives for veterans here in the Midwest, specifically in Chicago and Cook County. But we're bringing their grantees to bear as well. They have all these additional resources that will fall well outside of the scope of what I'm capable of doing. I'm not an attorney. Um, you know, I'm not a social worker, et cetera. But we're going to bring them to bear as well to help these veterans. And so most of this is funded by grants or is it mostly or is there some public funding involved in this as well? So, no, this is all uh, grant-funded and the University of Chicago. Wow. So is it possible? Do you yes. Th- I'm sorry, go ahead, Lori. Okay. No, I was going to say, as a matter of fact, I believe the um, that McCormick grant was uh, $355,000? Yes, ma'am. So, yeah, that sounds like a great uh, uh, program, a great uh, piece to this puzzle to allow veterans to um, – get on the right track and um, create a better life for themselves. Right. So the thing I, li- I like about this, and I, I want, and the reason I brought that up, because I mean, public funding, I think, is should be placed in places where it actually makes a, a big difference for not just a small group of people, but for the whole community. And what I see in this yeah. particular program is that from the from the, um, the uh, legal for the court system and from the diff- UMAP and these different programs, these programs actually solve problems because you're not repeating the same mistake. What we see in, in the civilian sector a lot of times is a person commits a crime and then they get back to, to the, they release them to the back, the same scenario that they were in before they had to commit the crime. We didn't solve any of the problems or created the crime, but they're back in the same circumstances. What do they do? They commit the crime again or they commit worse crime and it becomes a cycle and then it becomes, then it becomes generational. But in this particular case, mm-hmm. we're actually solving the problem. We're actually teaching people how to get from point A to point B. And then that process, now we're not – instead of taking those same resources, the same government uh, public funds and repeating the process again, it's like wash, rinse, repeat, we're at solving the problem, moving on to someone else and solving their problem, and then moving on to someone else and solving that problem. And so therefore we're reducing that, that, that burden to society. So is this – do you see yeah. a, a need for public funding? Would you advocate for that? Would you rather? Because I know some some programs don't like public funding, right? Because they like the the autonomy that it gets from they get from having um, grant money. So, what would you what, would you see, like to see both both things inside there, or would you rather this be all grant funded? Or and how hard is it to get grant funding for this for what you're trying to do? Well, both. You know, I'm pretty sure the the and I won't speak for the court system, but I'm sure that you know they'll take assistance from wherever it comes. You know, as long as we're helping the veterans. Uh, I believe that's the stance, again, of the university, as long as we're helping. Um, but I think an even bigger piece of this is going to be the research that comes from it. Uh, so the research, again, to have our students present it uh, to Congress, to the state legislature, as well as to the court system. And we're going we're gonna to do a roadshow. We're going to take it around the country, uh, kind of similar to what we did with the UMAP program. Uh, they just started one in Cal- the state of California. We started uh, one. That I keep saying we, but because I, I was with this program for so long. Uh, but we did one in Michigan. Uh, there's a water one in Pennsylvania. So the, the Department of Defense took this and said, hey, what else can you guys do with this type of work? Hmm. So to take this on a roadshow and take it to some of our partner institutions uh, and peer institutions across the country saying, hey, you have a bundle of veterans here in all your, these great schools. They want to find opportunities to give back to the community. Many of us want to find a way to continue to keep serving. For me, if I didn't have this opportunity to help veterans, I don't know where I would be because – 
I enjoy helping other people. So to take that research, again, public funding, whatever resources that we can access, uh, we will use to make sure that the veterans uh, get the assistance that they need. Now, tell us if you have it, um, a website and places where people can read more about the program and get more information or maybe even get involved. Do you have place, uh, positions for volunteers or things like that? Is that available to, in the program? So I can't speak for the court, again, in regards to volunteers inside the court system because uh, we do, did have to join on to the memorandum of understanding with the court system. Uh, but in regards to learning more about the project, you can go to veterans.uchicago.edu which will take you to my office's website, which is the Office for Military-Affiliated Communities. Uh, there was actually a story that just ran on the 18th of the Daily Herald. Uh, there was another one that ran in Hyde Park, Hyde Park Herald, forgive me. Um, so you can view it on either of those two media outlets as well as on side of our website. Uh, but, again, I'll defer to Lori about the court, uh, specifically about having volunteers inside of the, the court because we actually have to sign you know, confidentiality waivers, et cetera, to hear these stories inside the court and be able to assist. That's correct. Um, it's a little different when you're dealing with the actual court, but uh, for veterans who are involved with, <clears throat> let's say, Jesse Brown or any of the other uh, facilities, they do have a program where veterans uh, volunteer through their, through their program, and if they would like, they will probably be able to be a mentor to someone that is already in our court system. That has happened, that the, those veterans get to have mentors that are involved with, like, Jesse Brown or another VA center. And I think that's important. The mentorship piece, though, I think is very important because veterans tend to do better, it seems, with veterans because there's a, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a, an experience that's shared. There is a lot of understanding and and, this, and veterans just feel more comfortable expressing their problems and, and their and their frustrations with other people that've been through the same thing. So so take us take us out and to let us know like what types of things do you like? Would you like to see? What is your hope for the program? And what what's the next step as far as the development and the success for this program? So first up again for the for the research side of it, right, is the data collection, right, getting an, an opportunity to understand all the veterans. Uh, inside the court system. So I have um, biweekly meetings with the different judges from each of the courts, as well as the partners from Jesse Brown, uh, as well as McCormick, McCormick Foundation, City College of Chicago, as I just mentioned. I'll be at the court every other Monday. I've cleared my calendar to be down there every other Monday to collect the data. So this is a, a very intense project because we're doing the work as we're doing the research. Mm. So we're not waiting until the end to say, oh, these are the results and these are the types of services. No, these people need immediate services. So we're doing the work as we're doing the research. Um, the next big, big up project again is internally is working with the core system specifically to iron out the internship um, um, uh, descriptions for the students who will be inside the court during the summer mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that their responsibilities are in line with the work as well as in line with the work of the court. Uh, from the law school, the social services, uh, and again, the social sciences. Uh, we are, I believe we're going to be holding another press conference to talk more about including the other six locations of the Veterans Treatment Courts here. Uh, that's something I have to check with Judge Hooks. I'm shocked he wasn't on the call today. Uh, I told him I was going to be on. He said he's going to jump on. <laughs> <laughs> But doctor, I think that's what you're doing. It's great. I think it's a great program. I mean, I think working with the court system and then also trying to use research and data from the University of Chicago 
to actually solve to create programs and 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 <coughs> systems and put systems in place to help people. I think that's really really powerful, and I think it's I'm, I don't know I can't think of any other time. I know there's been there's been similar research projects in different uh, different social programs, but I never I never I've never seen this in the court system. And I, can't, I can't think of a time where a university has partnered and allowed veterans, um, people that know the process as well as you guys do. That, that are familiar with the, the problems and see both sides of the equation. They understand the law. They understand that the, the problem needs to be solved and puts the two together. And it's collecting data and research to actually affect and create programs, successful programs, to solve the problem. Now, it seems, I mean, it's like it makes too much sense. Yeah, and we, we all love it. The students, uh, you know, text me or shoot me an email all the time saying, Terrell, you know, I'll be down. I'm loving this work. Again, I talked to, again, over a 17-year career, but I talked to veterans all day, uh, all night pretty much, uh, and they say we want to continue to give back. We want to help our brothers and sisters. So just finding ways that align with their educational goals, right? Uh, and, two, we're doing a service for the community. I appreciate you guys for coming in. This is America's Heroes. Right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.